changed its clothes. Toys were nothing to him now. He had heaps of toys. He had trains and a dozen large and small raggedy Andes and trucks and cars and a wooden milk wagon with a wooden horse to pull it and a fort filled with lead soldiers in different uniforms and an Indian tent. For a little while, he even had a dollhouse. It was the only toy he truly cared for. And he was ashamed of his knees. But he knew he was important. That is what famous means. His father, who made up the stories and painted the pictures, was the famous one, really. His mother told him this. And the woman who took care of him told him the same, the woman whose neck hung down all on its own and was all wrinkly like an empty cloth bag. Still, it wasn't his father they came to photograph. It was the bear boy, Cynthia Ozick. <laughs> How did the air, we'll leave the title for this aside, how did air to the glimmering world come to be? Uh, two things. <clears throat> I wanted to write about Christopher Robin, uh, <clears throat> Winnie the Pooh's Christopher Robin. And I made something up without ever having read uh, the real Christopher Robin's uh, two autobiographies, and it turned out that um, what I made up was true. This sometimes happens. Uh, actually, it happens too, too many times. And um, it, it struck me, based on that portrait we see um, of the father and the little boy. Actually, I own the portrait now because it was given to me in trust uh, for a short time, maybe 20 years, and then I have to pass it on, uh, by Ann Patchett, who also owned it before I did. And it's a kind of a chain possession. It's got to go on. When, um, when you've used it up emotionally, then you can pass it on. And what it shows is something emotional. The father is holding the little boy, who's about five, with a lace collar and the bangs, the Buster Brown bangs. We all know, you know that, that image. The little boy is turned away from the father, has infinitely sad, round eyes, and seems to want to have nothing to do with this, this event, which is a publicity picture and um, a publicity photograph. And I was so struck by the idea of what does it mean to be dispossessed of your personality, of your character, really of your soul, and reinterpreted by somebody else. So that was one half of it. And the other half was something extremely arcane and esoteric, namely the history of the Karaites, who were um, a somewhat heretical Jewish group early on in early centuries who were so purist that they were totally against interpretation. So they threw out um, the Talmud. Uh, however, human nature being what it is, you must interpret every time you gossip about your sister-in-law or your brother-in-law or your boss, you are interpreting. Gossip is interpretation. Everything is interpretation. It is a human impulse to interpret. So the Karaites actually made up their own commentary afterward by kind of denying that they were 
doing commentary. So here are these two completely disparate things, Winnie the Pooh, uh, so to speak, and these, this ancient Jewish heresy of the Karaites. And I thought, I'm, I'm drawn to both ideas. How can I meld them into a novel? And I struggled with it. And then it came out to be heir to the glimmering world, though I wanted to call it the bear boy. And the publisher was afraid it would be taken for a children's book. And it so happened that when they did publish it under that title in Britain, it was taken for a children's book for a while on Amazon. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's the long-winded double origin of this. I, I didn't mean to digress, but it was either from you or somewhere. Didn't the Karaites Kara have a uh, dismal and uh, history in, in, uh, uh, under the Nazis? That's right. They did. Um, and it's, very, it's, it's an unfortunate story. By the way, there are Karaites uh, in, in uh, Israel. I believe there are some in Seattle.